Welcome back to the future, the future of Flushing Podcast. Jonathan Barron here, coming to you live from, if you're watching, you probably see, and if you're listening, I'll let you know, from Port St. Lucie, Florida, spring training 2024, right around the corner, and I'm lucky enough to be joined by Colin Hetzler, AAA hitting coach, and I'm going to put some respect on your name, the 2022 Mets Minor League Staffer of the Year, a guy who has so much insight on all that's happening here at Port St. Lucie. So, Colin, thanks so much for uh, taking some time to chat with us today. Thanks for having me, dude. So, this is an incredibly fun time of the year. For me, this is like, I mean, it doesn't get better than this. The start of a brand new season, down here escaping the cold weather. That's just my perspective. What about you, the players, the coaches? How much fun is this time of the year? Personally, it's my favorite time of the year. Uh, I don't think it gets any better. The weather's great. You get to see everyone after not seeing them for a few months. And, uh, you know, it's just everyone's hungry and motivated to start getting after it. And there's always a good energy going into the start of spring training. So I haven't been down here for about a week. I've been afforded the opportunity to kind of walk around, observe, see what's going on. Pitchers and catchers have not quite reported yet, but we're on the precipice. It is Saturday, February 10th for all those keeping score at home. So right now, at this point of the spring, I know that minor leaguers have been here since January 15th, working on stuff, getting ready. What are some of the top line things that, on the hitting side, you guys have been working on? Uh, top line things on the hitting side is probably just going to be, um, you know, kind of our core fundamentals. Um, you know, loading properly, hip load, getting on plane early, swing plane, um, you know, getting your body in the right position when you land, being in the right position whenever you're at contact. Um, and then just kind of some training variability, throwing guys in different situations uh, and having them you know, self-organized to execute the task. So you're a person that coming down here, Vito and I have been chopping at the bit to talk to, and not just because you've been nice and commenting and liking and retweeting the content. By the way, if you haven't already, subscribe. Future of Flushing, wherever you get your podcast, got to get, get a plug in there. There you go. Always. But you're someone who's worked with so many of the young players here, guys that have already reached the major league level, Mark Vientos, Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, uh, and a lot of the minor leaguers, your, your fingerprints are all over these guys. So from your perspective, why should Mets fans be so excited about what is coming and really what's happening here in the Mets player development side of things? Well, I think the, the biggest thing is just there's, there's a lot of talent on the minor league side right now. Um, and it's not just super top heavy at the top levels, but uh, the depth that we've acquired in the last two or three years in terms of position player talent is, is pretty deep and it's pretty exciting um, to where we're going to have to get creative on figuring out how to get everybody uh, as many at-bats uh, as we can in as many different positions as we can. One of those guys who seems like he's in store for a lot of at-bats in 2024 at the Major League level, Mark Vientos. You've worked with Mark extensively, seen you throw some BPs to him. Obviously, you have a lot of experience with him at the AAA level. What is it about Mark that Mets fans should be so excited about going into 2024? Uh, there's a lot to like. I mean, he, he gets after it in the cage. His work ethic in the cage is really, really good. Um, it's really focused. It's really deliberate. He knows what he's working on. Um, and every single year he gets better. His holes get smaller and smaller, and his, his heat map continues to get more and more red everywhere. So uh, I think his, base be his best baseball is definitely ahead of him. Um, so that's definitely something to look forward to and be excited about. Saw him put one off the scoreboard. I think it was field three a couple days ago. Another guy who had pretty much a, like identical shot was catcher Francisco Alvarez, another guy you've worked with extensively. Um, the ball sounds different coming off his bat, and that's just my layman opinion. What about you as a hitting coach? Why is Francisco such a force in the batter's box? 
Uh, well, I mean, he's a really intelligent hitter. Again, he's he's locked in on on what he needs to work on his routine. Him and Jeremy Barnes have done a good a good job of uh, being really focused and deliberate uh, on their offseason routine and kind of cleaning up some of the stuff that um, you know they were working on towards the end of last year. But in terms of you know what makes him him different or special is just um, just kind of the physical characteristics that he has. You know, it's the bat speed and, and uh, you know, the moves that he's able to make to get to certain pitches is uh, just something that not everybody can do. So he just moves the bat faster than, than most players. How about Brett Beatty, another player who's going to have a big opportunity in 2024 that you've worked with a lot as well? Same thing. I mean, he, he's another guy that hits the ball extremely hard, moves the bat extremely fast. Um, you know, he had a little bit of, of trials and tribulations last year, but I think that was the first time that he's ever struggled before in his life. Um, so I think it's going to be more of a learning experience, and he's going to look back and and say, you know, it was a, probably a good thing that I went through that because it made me a better player looking back on it. That brings me to another question that I wanted to ask you, and that is, as a hitting coach, I mean, they say hitting a ball with a bat is the hardest thing in sports. And you, you're trying to make this a science. And that's tough, you know. You fail seven out of ten times, as they say, you're on your way to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Although I don't know about batting average anymore. <laughs> Maybe not the best marker for a Hall of Fame career. But for guys that are struggling, especially with the season being so long, as a hitting coach, what do you say to a player who might be going through a tough time to try to get them to forget whatever is going on and get back on that right track? Uh, just keep, keep things simple. You know, it's, there's, there's a ton of information out there now. And I think it's, it's, uh, important for a hitting coach to be able to just kind of pick one thing and, and give a guy one or two cues to keep stuff really simple and try to help him clear his mind and just focus on, you know, getting the bat to the ball and, um, just like, you know, falling in love with the process and the routine and, and staying disciplined with the process and the routine, not to say that you can't ever change or evolve your process and routine, but uh, it's important to have one, right? You can't just walk in the cage and, and do something different every day. You've got to be focused and deliberate on, you know, how you're preparing your body to move, how you want to move, and, you know, kind of optimizing where your body's at in space to be able to, to execute that. Now, speaking of changing and evolving, you played college baseball yourself about 15 years ago. I'm wondering from your perspective, back to your playing days, now here in 2024 as a coach, how much has the art of hitting evolved? What kind of swings have you seen in the general industry standard, I guess? Uh, well, I mean, whenever I was playing, there was nothing that you could measure, right? So it was just like, you either can hit or you can't, and it's kind of all based on feel and, and what it looks like. And now, um, you know, on top of videos, basically all that we had last, uh, you know, whenever I was playing, now there's, you know, We've got in-game biomech data, so we know exactly how your body's moving. We've got in-game bat data, so we know exactly how the bat's moving. Obviously, we have bat ball data. And then in the training aspect, we have the same thing. So we know exactly how your body's moving. We know how the bat's moving through space. We know where you're hitting the ball relative to your center of mass or you know your front foot or the plate. Um, so you can just get a little bit more specific with your training um, and just measure stuff. Uh, rather than just like kind of guessing and be like that one looked good or that one looked bad, uh, you just you have proof now. You you have proof on whether or not you're making progress or whether or not you're you know doing the same thing over and over. And what about when it comes to the uh, so to speak launch angle revolution, which you've heard a lot about, especially four or five years ago, and then now you're hearing more about teams focusing on guys putting the ball in play, shortening up, 
situational hitting, get a guy over, get a guy in. What's that balance like, especially from someone who is teaching all these skills? I mean, there's, there's always a balance to it, but I, I think the goal for, for a hitter has, has never really changed. You're trying to hit the ball hard, you're trying to hit line drives. Um, so I, I think you know, the more information that we get, the more buzzwords come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you really break it down to uh, you know, like first principles, you're trying to hit the ball as hard as you can, um, and you're trying to hit, hit the ball in the air, basically. Like you're trying to hit line drives, you don't want to hit it too high, you don't want to hit it too low, you want to hit it you know, right in that sweet spot. Um, to where, you know, you put a ball in play, you're giving, your be- you're giving yourself the best chance to be as productive as you can. Now you spoke a lot about biomechanics and a lot of other things that I can't even pronounce right now. Um, before taking the job with the Mets, before joining the organization, you worked at Driveline. And Driveline is a thing or a place that a lot of baseball fans might have heard of but might not be that familiar with. And you see a lot of players spending big chunks of their offseason at Driveline. So, can you explain exactly what driveline is and why so many players spend so much time at driveline? Yeah, I think the easiest way to describe it is it's just uh, it's a biomech sports science lab devoted towards pitchers and hitters and, and optimizing their in-game performance. Right. So, um, you know, on the hitting side, if you know somebody didn't feel right during the season, they're and they decide to go out there, they're going to get a pretty good uh, idea of why and what happened and what was different based on, you know, how much force you're putting in the ground or how your body's moving through space, uh, what your point of contact was, um, you know, in, in a season that wasn't quite as good as maybe a season you had previously, or, you know, how fast you're moving the bat, what your direction was, what your bat path looked like, how it changed from season to season. Um, so they just have so much granular information to where they can kind of pinpoint what has changed and then, kind of devote their programming and their training uh, based on that moving forward, going into the next season. So a lot of technology goes into driveline and what they're doing over there. Yeah. There's a new technology that is not quite in Major League Baseball, but we were speaking a couple days ago, and it sounds like it's not too far away, and that's the automatic strike zone. And in AAA, it's being used on a daily basis. Can you explain, as someone that's been in the dugout for a full season of this now, what kind of an impact Positive or negative, I'll, I'm not trying to sway your, your, your mind here. Yeah. What kind of an impact the automatic strike zone has on the sport? Well, I think it inherently benefits the hitters uh, just because it's the same zone every night. You don't have to spend your first two at-bats trying to figure out what the zone is, what zone this umpire has that night. It's The zone is the zone, so you can go up there with confidence knowing you know what a strike is, what a ball is. Um, and, you know, pitchers don't get a ball off the plate anymore. They have to throw it over the plate, which is an inherent advantage of the hitter. So I think that is um, it was a net positive for, for the hitters. Obviously, if you look at the offensive numbers for International League last year. Um, but at the same time, you know, pitchers are going to adapt and they're going to find ways to, to miss barrels and get outs as well. So it's always kind of a cat and mouse game regardless. Um, but I think having a consistent strike zone um, – and it's not ever, you know, like evolving or changing throughout the game or throughout and at bat, depending upon what the count is, I think is a, a good step forward in just um, consistency. And to me, it's crazy that guys come from double A where you have one set of rules. Umpires are behind the plate. They're calling balls and strikes all the time. And then you go to triple A and it's a totally new set of standards. So what kind of an adjustment does that make players have to make 
when they go from double A AA to triple A on both sides of the ball, hitters first, but also pitchers. And we talked about that a little bit a few days ago, the challenge that pitchers have making that leap because of the automatic strike zone. Yeah, I would say the zone is a little bit smaller when you go from double A to triple A. You don't get those shadow zone calls uh, if the ball's not over the plate. Um, so that gives hitters inherent confidence knowing, you know, a ball's a ball and a strike's a strike. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think they're still, it's way better than it was in 2021, whenever we had it in low A. Um, they've continued to evolve the, the strike zone to try to make it as accurate and representative of a normal umpire zone uh, traditionally. And I think they're pretty close to being able to, to use it with confidence at whatever level they want to. Dick Scott, going to be your second year working under Dick Scott for the Syracuse Mets. He's been an institution in this organization, serving in a number of capacities. What's your relationship like with Dick, and how much fun is it working under him? I enjoyed it. I had a good time working with Dick last year. Um, you know, he's never phased. He's been in the game for a long time. He's seen it all. Nothing really rattles him. Um, but at the same time, he, he still wants to win. He's still got that competitive fire, um, which is fun. And he's... Uh, he's always willing to help out in the cages or on field BP, and he makes sure that uh, you know guys get their work in. But at the same time, he's got a good pulse of the clubhouse in terms of you know maybe these guys need to need a blow or you know maybe they need a kick in the rear, whatever it is. Um, I thought he did a great job last year. I'm I'm really excited to work with him again. You mentioned fun. There was one very fun moment that happened uh, at Syracuse last season, and that was the night Luke Voigt went to the plate. No sleeves, not necessary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, as we call him on Future of Flushing, Nuke Void hit one, I think, like 425, yep. just showing off the, the delts. Uh, what was the reaction like in the dugout that night when he went up there and just uh, put the pythons to use? <laughs> it was great. I mean, if you, look at our, if you look at our team photo from last year, there's like four or five guys that went no undershirt with just, this, just the vest on. <laughs> so it was pretty good. Um, but he, I mean, Regardless of the jersey that he wears, he hates wearing an undershirt. So he's like, I'm not wearing an undershirt because I don't like it. Uh, and it worked for him. I think he, you know, he was with us for like 37 games and hit 15 pumps for us. So it was fun having him in the lineup. And it was good uh, to have him around uh, in the cage for, you know, younger guys to kind of pick his brain and, and look at the intensity in which he trained with. Um, so I think that was uh, a really good experience all around for, for everyone. We're sitting right here with a nice probably 50 balls. Watched you a couple days ago throwing live BP. What makes a good BP session from the pitcher? It, it's not as simple as many people think, and I feel like it's very overlooked, but you're on the mound with a plan, right? You're not just laying it in. You're, you're trying to challenge these guys. Is that, is that true? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of it changes day to day on what the intent is, whether it's, um, you know, get ready for the game or feel good, or if you're working on something specific, whether or not you're, you know, trying to maintain your direction, go to the opposite field, maybe you, um, you know, you shade outer half on the on the plate when you're throwing, or if they're, you know, trying to get the head out and go left to the left fielder, then you'll, you know, come in and tell them to, to, you know, get the head out, or whether they're working on pitch up or down. It's just kind of depending upon what that guy's working on that day. A couple rapid-fire questions for you here now. Favorite part of your job? Probably throwing mixed BP. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you, it's you, fun. You I, have, it. I have a lot. I have a lot of fun with it, and it, it can get. It can get competitive before games um, just to try to get, get the guys hyped and, and get them ready to go. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you taking some time. Best of luck in 2024. Thank you, man.